good, man. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, hey, I know I could be long-winded. Look, I got to say this. Before I even get started, man, it's an honor to have you on. And ever since I found out what you what you have been doing within the community, man, I, I've been trying to get you on. I've actually called your school. I, yeah. I literally called your school maybe about four times, man. About four times. And every time I called, they said they go, they go find a way to get in contact with you. So I had to reach out to the homie uh, Fats. Marcus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, shout out, shout out to Marcus, man. But with all that said, man, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. You know, it's it's, it's, it's eight o'clock. It's on a Monday. No uh, doubt. Family is good. So I'm good. I'm blessed. No doubt. No, now, now look, man, I want to, I want to share this story. And it's not really a story because it's, it's just facts. You know, it's just a sit, you know, so you may not remember this, but this was like maybe 1995. And we were in the summer job program, Marionbury summer job program. I don't remember the school, but it was me, you, Fats, a couple of other kids. We're talking 95, so this is almost a million years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember this program, <laughs> but that's the first time I met you. And, and, and like I said, I remember you. You stood out to me, man. You was a real, you had the Barclays on. You had the Barclays. <laughs> I love them Barclays in the 90s. To this day, I can't find black, <laughs> You had the black Barclays, man. I think those were maybe his second Barclays, man. And I always remember this 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 kid used to always have the Barclays, man. That stood out. That always stood out uh, to me, you know. I didn't know anybody else that used to have the Barclays as consistent, man. But other than that, man, like I said, something about your... Even as a kid, man, you seem different. So you, with bro. all that being said, man, hey, look, talk about like like your childhood a little bit, man. What was it like, man, you know, growing up here in DC? Yeah, so, you know, grew up uptown in the, in the 90s, just like you said, right? And so I think, as I think about the 90s and what it meant to be young and black and growing up in DC, no first of all, just shout out to my mom, peace be upon her for you know, raising a young brother to be able to survive those times because it, it really was um, a struggle to survive, you know, and, and make it through, you know, what UCB um, coined the neighborhood life, right? And so when I think about the 90s in DC, I think about two things. I think about mass incarceration. We had this explosion of young brothers um, being sent to the pen, sometimes for petty offenses, and then we had the so-called war on drugs. And so when you put those things together, it leads to a situation where you got young black men and young black women being incarcerated at high numbers for a so-called drug war um, that was fueled um, by, you know, a lot of misinformation. And so, you know, growing up town in the 90s, the, the other side of that is just this like deep sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that no. developed from the folks in the neighborhood. I was just kind of speaking to this. One of my good friends, um, Brother Curtis Reed, had recently passed on okay. and you know, I had the honor to speak at his his homegoing service. And that's what it was about. It was about that brotherhood that we formed because we lived around the same neighborhood and we literally grew up and did everything together. So there was some dark moments, but a lot of joy, a lot of lessons learned because of that brotherhood that was established. No doubt. Now you're originally from the uptown northwest uh part of washington D's, correct yeah yeah born and raised born and raised man so so i know like i said i um i went to coolidge with you i don't i know you probably don't we we, we cross paths not like that but I, like i said man something about you always stood out but i'm gonna say this brother i had no idea that you had this thing about you you had you, you know you know you you, you had this quality about you as far as like inspiring young children. So what I what I want to know is like, where did that come from? Where did this motivation, this drive that come from? Uh, where did this come from as far as like leading you to this path that you on uh, right now? Yeah, so I think when I first, um, you know, got into the, to the teaching game, as I like to say, uh, I think about two things. I think about like, growing up in DC in the 90s and thinking about and really trying to compare myself to other childhood friends. And I took some time when I was in college to really think about like, 
what was the difference in the trajectory and the outcome for some of my friends who got caught up in a neighborhood life? Right. And so when I think about, I'm not going to name them my names. When I think about some of my friends, right. you know, they were really um, gifted artists and stand up kind of young brothers. But unfortunately, the school system at the time wasn't really able to allow them to show their gifts and to show their talents. I think me, on the other hand, you know, I was a traditional type of student. You give me a test, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to speak about it. But I think that was the problem with the education system, that it had these two tracks for young men based on how they showed up at school. And I remember, like, seeing teachers basically give up on some of my friends when we were in school just because we didn't fit the traditional mold of a student. And I wanted to break that. And I felt like the best way for me to break that was to, to get into education and become a teacher. Okay, so you basically had you 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 basically always had this desire, even as a young kid, to get into the education field. Or did that, or what you're telling me that 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 started early, or did that come later? Or what? Well, it started to it started um, always a desire to be politically active. I think my mom, again, please be upon her, her action, her act, her her civic engagement was really in the church. You know what I mean? Okay. So like cooking meals for families raising money for families. We didn't have much growing up, but she would always raise money for all those who didn't have it. And I saw that as like an uh, aspiration of what I wanted to be. I really just wanted to give back to the community and the people. I think at first I thought I was going to try the lawyer route. Um, and then I went to school and I was like, yeah, don't know if that's for me. That's not my pathway. That's not my yeah. journey. That's not what I feel passionate about. And I remember doing this program um, called AmeriCorps. And I remember like, you know, being in college, super stressed out, trying to figure out how I'm going to get financial aid to continue to pay for college. But it was something about that. looking at them young, right? There's something about looking at the young babies in the eyes, man. Yeah. It was just like, it was my Zen place. And I was just no like, doubt. you know what? I need that feeling every day for the rest of my life. And that was okay. the like, let's, let's do this. Okay. So look, listen, we go fast forward to what you got going on today. So 2017, you and a co- your co-founder, you guys started the Social Justice School um, here in North, Northeast Washington, D.C. Yeah. And talk about this. What what inspired you guys to uh, start this school? And what was some of the, uh, you know, what, what was some of the hardships that, that you know, that, that came along with that? Yeah. So we, I would say three reasons. I would say, you know, first, we both are parents. Um, so I got two children, Armour and Glorious. Uh, co-founder, Principal Johnson, has two children as well. And we wanted to make sure that we built a school for our daughters to be able, and our sons to be able to go there. Okay. And I think, you know, when we think about education, there used to be this story of like, you know, you go to school in order to earn more money. And I think like we wanted to kind of turn that and flip it on its head and say, Yes, that is a pathway for you to have more choices in life. But the purpose of gaining knowledge is to really share it with someone else and to be able to make change in your community. And then I think the second piece is like, when we think about civic engagement, we really think about like, do you know the three functions of the branches of government, right? And like, that's not what it means to really be civic engaged. In our opinion, to be civically engaged means to show up, to work with the people, not for them, and to actually help them try to figure out how to solve their own problems. And we really believe that young people, especially middle schoolers, could do that if they had the place and the time to do it. And I would say lastly, you know, and we started our journey, we didn't want to just come into the community and be like, look, I'm from DC. I know what the community needs because I, yeah. I had to be humble and say, you know, growing up in the 90s, is it's a very different world growing up in the 2000s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so we did a bunch of what we call empathy interviews and really listen to people and ask them like, what do you want in a school? And every time they gave us feedback, we would take that feedback and bring it into the model that we ultimately ended up designed and ended up launching the social justice school. Okay, well now when you guys used to uh, you know, talk to the community, what were some of their biggest complaints that they had with the uh, the school system, you know, in particular the DC school system? Yeah, so you know, when we, when we talk about um, interviews with parents and students, we didn't ask them about uh, the complaints. We, because those are like, in our opinion, like leading questions. We wanted to ask them questions that would help them help us imagine what schools should look like. So okay. the first question we would always ask is like, imagine our school was in Wakanda. Like what would it look like, right? Because right? that takes them to this notion of thinking about a future world and a future okay. school. What we did hear though, is that they wanted their young people to work together, to be able to um, be challenged, 
no but most importantly, they wanted them to be loved and to be seen. And they also wanted them the opportunity to engage in work that was like real world based, you know, no okay. more just like, can you multiply? Can you memorize the facts? Right. And that's what we heard from families. So that's what they, that's what we ultimately, the school we ended up designing. Okay. Now the school is called the Social Justice School. Now, where did you guys come up with this, this title, this concept? Uh, you know, where did you guys get this from? You know, what is yeah, so this? It's, it's funny. It had multiple, it had multiple names <laughs> um, in its design process. At first it was going to be, you know, the Angela Davis School for Social Justice. Okay. Shout out to Angela Davis. No, we reached out to her, sent a couple of emails, but I know she's a busy revolutionary out here trying to make change. So we didn't hear from her. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we just kind of shortened it was like, yeah. Social justice school. That's it. Okay. We, got it. we want people to know. And, you know, we went through a lot of um, questions about that. Like, you know, do you really want to call yourself a social justice school? And we were like, yes, because that's what we focus on, social justice. And that was the name that it stick, the social justice school. Okay. Now, you know, growing up here in Washington, D.C., the, uh, you know, the makeup of the, you know, of like most of the schools, especially as far as the demographics, it was different than what it is now. As yep. you know. So talk about that a little bit as far as, you know, um, you know, seeing the, how the city has changed, how the school system has changed. What is just some of the things that you've noticed that is not that, you know, that you've noticed within the school system? You know, what are some of the differences that you've noticed, you know, the past 20, 25 years? Yeah. So I think right now we have about 90,000 kids um, in D.C. and, you know, about 45, 45,000 of them are in D.C. public schools. About forty-five thousand of them are in charter um, charter public schools as well, okay. and you just didn't see that in the '90s. Um, I think also our communities are are more diverse, um, especially as you think about like the school that we're ultimately trying to found um, or are trying to continue to work and launch on. Um, and so, in our school, we see diversity in terms of like social economic uh, status, race, class, and also um, home language. And I think. For us, when we think about a real strong community, right. we want it to be a community of integrated folks because we knew that like, in order for us to make the kind of revolutionary change that we want to have happen, we gotta have young people working together no with folks who look like them, who don't look like them in order to move forward. So yeah. that's the community that we're trying to build. Okay, okay. So what was some of the, like, like I said earlier, what was some of the hardships, you know, and how long did this process take, you know? Yeah, so we we opened our doors um, last school year, and that was an extreme challenge because we had planned for this brick and mortar school. We were like ready, you know. We had yeah. the paint picked out, the colors picked out. We ready, okay. and then the pandemic hit, and we like, oh, we got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had to right, 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 right. A virtual school, so that was challenge number one. Uh, challenge number two is. Uh, you know, we're a small school, we're a startup school, and we had to be really scrappy. And we mm. got a lot of no's. You know, we went to funders and we're like, we got this great idea, and they're like, nah, not yet, not ready. And we're like, okay, we still gonna come back. And we came back, yeah, and yeah. we came back until they gave us the <laughs> Now, hold on now. No, how, how long was this process? Like a span of what? How many yeah, years? A span of four years. Um, okay. And we really, and it, it was intentional. Like, you know, we could have probably, you know, accelerated that but we really wanted to make sure that we built with the community and not for them and so we we really believe in like testing parts of our model to get feedback so we tested everything from 2017 all the way up to 2018 um and in our longest pilot we took our kids to it was called the freedom school freedom academy we took our kids to alabama to the lynching museum and they studied mass incarceration and suspension rates um, in D.C. at the time. Okay. And that's where we kind of all crystallized. We were like, you know what? We got it. Like, this is the gotcha. model. Let's go and move forward. Yep. Okay. Now, prior to you, you know, you guys. Now, now talk about, your, you know, uh, your partner. Because you, 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 you co-founded the school with a partner. Um, yeah, his name is, he's the principal. I'm the executive director. So he's the principal. Uh, he's been in education for 15 plus years, mostly in DCPS. Um, he's a really good, solid brother. Um, went to, you know, Fisk, shout out to the HBCUs, you know what I mean? So he's a good, a good brother, a good friend of mine. We just, we just really in, um, connected. I think we have, um, not really similar personality, but just similar unapologetic beliefs about children and what they're capable of. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. Now, um, 
you know, like I said, COVID is really big. You know, it's kind of winding down a lot. You know, what is some of, you know, how has COVID, you know, affected like children learning? And what are some of your like plans of action that you would, you know, suggest, uh, to you know, to some of the parents to make things a little bit easier for them to cope with uh, what's, what's going on right now? Yeah, so I think it's like, I would kind of make the analogy of like, imagine that you had to like wake up every day and see and live through a traumatic experience and that's actually what's happening for our mm-hmm. right it's like you hear the stories about people about people dying you probably may have known someone who caught covid so there's a lot of um paranoia and fear yeah. and i think also young people being out um, of school for so long they just kind of forgot about how to do school and how to be patient with one another in some instances and so for me um, and even at the social justice school we try to really take a whole school whole family approach to teaching and learning and so what that means is like we provide mental access um, and supports for our students um, and families at no charge to themselves we provide access to mental clinicians at no charge to themselves as well and so i think what families can do is just be patient um, be kind and give themselves grace. As a parent myself, I know that trying to adjust and get your student back from being online to being in school, it's just really, really hard. And then okay. just please take stock of your mental health and invest in it and seek out support and resources if you don't already have it. Okay, okay. Now I want, I want, I want, I want to go back a little bit because this school is a charter school, and I know back when we was in school, you didn't have that many charter schools. So for the people who are not that familiar with charter schools are, what are some of the advantages or you know the the pros and cons you know when it comes to like charter school public schools because i think you know a lot of parents here here in dc uh and abroad you know they're not i don't think they're really privy to you know some of the uh you know some some of the differences yeah so i always like to answer that question by starting off like as a native for me there's no charter school in public school you know i care about every single kid in dc right and i think sometimes that narrative that there's tension between the public sector and the charter sector is kind of meant to divide us so that we can work together and do what's right for our children. But on surface, you know, public schools are charter schools, right? Um, Excuse me, charter schools are public schools. So we receive, you know, funding just like um, DC public schools. It's the same formula that they use. I think some of the differences is that we get a lot of more autonomy in terms of like our curriculum that we choose um, and how we get to staff as well. Um, And we can, you know, of course, fundraise and accept additional dollars as well. So I think that's that's really the big difference between the two is that you get a little bit more freedom and autonomy um, to make some of your choices. And you have a governing board that oversees the board of the school. And as a charter school, you your authorizer, the DC Public Charter School Board, is the body that holds you accountable, as opposed to um, some of the, in, in, in public schools as well. Okay, okay. Now, a lot of times when you you know when we think of um, you know when we think of like startup you know uh, new schools or someone putting together a school like I remember LeBron James he started a school I believe in you know mm-hmm. in, in his hometown. Yeah, and it seemed you know from what I've heard and what I've learned, it's pretty, it's doing pretty successful. But then you got guys like you know Umar Johnson. <laughs> right. I don't know if you're familiar with Umar Johnson. So when I heard how you guys put together your store, your, your school, you know how you guys founded and put everything together, I'm trying to figure out like what is some of the steps like you know because this brother has been taking like ten years to put a school. So what is some of like you know what are some of the steps that that you know that comes along with you know putting a, a, a school together you know starting a school yeah so i think you know i won't go through the exist because it's, it's pretty exhaustive but i think on, on a yeah yeah you, get, you can you can give the you know yeah. the, the abbreviated version yeah, so i think on a basic level it's like one you gotta have a clear vision a clear mission okay. and really think about like what is your instructional model that's going to set you um different no and then I think it's uh, after that, it's around thinking through like community engagement and how you can galvanize the community okay. um, to be able to support you. And then three, depending on where you are, there is this like political navigating space because D.C., you know, is charter friendly. There are some states um, that are not as charter friendly and you have to kind of navigate that space as well. And then you have to like figure out how you're going to fundraise for the money because you have, you know, you can go a public school, you can be a 
charter public school. You can try to think about a private school route. And all of those um, routes have different like pathways that you have to take in order to get towards the goal of one day opening the school. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, look, I want to switch gears for a second because there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the education uh, system today. And, and one of them is, you know, like critical race theory. So, you know, how do you guys, you know, feel, you know, as, as the, um, how, how do you guys, you know, as administration, what's you guys whole take on the whole uh, critical race theory? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, when I answer that question, Malak, when I think about it, you know, I'm not a legal scholar, right? And neither are my teachers, right? And so I can't even sit here and say that we um, teach critical race theory because it's literally like a theory that's taught in law school that right. you know, kids um, don't have access to. I think what we do um, is give students like a method on how to think, but we don't tell them what to think, and right? And so I think we, we, we provide tools and resources for them to think about ways to navigate and tell their own story. But I don't think that it's fair to the folks who spent time deeply studying um, critical race theory and teaching that to young, to law students to be able to say that we actually teach that at social justice school because we, we don't. And I would say probably in most schools, they're not teaching it as well. Okay. No, I had, I had, you know, I had, I had to ask that because, you know, uh, you, 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 you know, I, I, you being, you know, the CEO, the co-founder, you know, this is a big topic in 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 um in education uh, now. So, you know, I had, you know, I got to come with some tough ones. And um, another one I want to ask, you know, like today, you know, you have, you know, now, um, you have uh, binary students. You have uh, you have students that are classified as, uh, you know different genders you know so how do you guys deal with that you know because when we was in school we didn't have to deal with you know anything like that so not to my knowledge so what's what's your you know what's your what's your take on that and how do you guys you know um communicate with the children as far as you know things of that nature yeah sorry i got a co-pilot joining uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> now this one is this one is this is honor say hi okay this is my hello honor. Okay. <laughs> How old is she? You you three? Okay. She's All right. <laughs> uh, I got you one second, okay? Um so yeah, I, so I think first thing is like, you know, uh there were students who um were members of the LGBTQIA community when we were growing up. Um, I think in most schools, though, unfortunately, they weren't inclusive enough and didn't create space for them to actually show up as the authentic selves. And so our take on it is this. Our young people, even as early as middle school, are starting to build out their identity canvas. We like to use the analogy of like the self as a canvas. And that self is something that can be painted. Um, and it's up to the painter to determine what that particular picture or image is in terms of what and how they identify and i think for us the danger is that when schools don't when schools don't sorry one second when schools don't have those conversations with young people i think one of two things happen one they start to internalize like negative stereotype stereotypes about their type of people um and they construct those identity and place them on themselves or two they try to use the identity creation as like an act of um resistance and it, it really doesn't have to be so at social justice school we do a lot of work with our young people around this notion of intersectionality so that they can see that there are multiple selves that exist and we have those conversations with young people as early as fifth grade like how are you showing up in terms of like race, gender, class, religion, and how you want to identify and express yourself? Because if we don't, Malak, I think it, it leads to these very negative images around blackness, negative images around brownness, around queerness. And we don't want our young people bring up, growing up with that kind of prejudice. So we try to have those conversations early with early on. And we've had nothing but support from families. I mean, I think sometimes families are like, oh, you having conversations like this with my fifth grader. And we're like, oh, your fifth grader is thinking about it. They might not be talking to you right, about, right, it. Right, right. about it. Right, right, right. So let's, no let's create the space to have this safe conversation 
um, with our young people. Okay. No, the reason why I brought that up because I hear, you know, I, I hear a lot of, uh, you know, parents, you know, cause we, we, we're the parents now. And, you know, I hear a lot of conversations about how they feel things should be, you know, how they used to be, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of things have changed since we, since we were, since we were younger. And, uh, at the end of the day, I feel like all kids need education. So, you know, whether you have this belief or that belief, children need to be treated fairly, uh, treated children need to be treated, uh, you know, children need to be educated. So, you know, um, um, it's, it's good to know that, you know, that you have that type of, uh, your philosophy in regard to that. Um, I want, I want to, I want to change gears again a, a, a little bit. Um, okay. I remember I was watching in a, in, in a, a video when your kids was talking about like mass incarceration, and inequality. And in 2018, you know, you, you guys, uh, took the kids to, uh, Selma, Alabama. So, uh, talk about that a little bit. What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it was it was life changing. Um, we we so the the whole reason why we did that pilot is that we wanted to have a four week one classroom version of our school. So actually, like, see, you know, all those papers on the words, blah blah blah. Like, let's actually figure. Let's actually like test it and see if it actually works. And so uh, it was <laughs> it was a beautiful experience because it was four weeks together with a group of right. young people, twenty five of them. So all 25 went about four or five parents and about five or six staff members. Okay. So there was a lot of memories that were made. Um, one, we were on a bus for, you know, 12 plus hours from <laughs> So when we do it again, we definitely gonna we definitely gonna fly. I hope we can get some sponsors to sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then two, you know, I think it's when when young people see images on the screen and we took them to you know the um the lynching memorial i think to to talk about lynching to talk about mass incarceration but to see a place where they actually put it all together was extremely powerful i mean some of our students um left and you know we did interviews and assessments for them and i remember one young person saying like you know i used to think that like i didn't have the capacity to change the world but when i saw all these young people in those pictures yeah. like i felt i felt like i could do it and i think like that's the experience that we wanted young people to have and to see them like walk across the edmund pettus bridge and to kind of just pause and take that all in it was mm -hmm. like yo this is this is not just something that's on like a history book like this is yeah, actually yeah. history you know so it was exactly. a beautiful moment yeah no doubt that's that's dope that's dope man i remember seeing it i was like man this is something that you don't see very often. I, I definitely don't remember us as children going on any type of field trips like that. Maybe you, maybe you oh, did. I know I did. So when I saw that, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's pretty dope. You know, to walk across the same bridge that Dr. King and John Lewis, you know, I, I think yeah. that's, that was, that was dope. So whoever came up with that, who, who's caught, who's, whose idea was that by the way? And that was uh, our idea together. We you know we all so a part of our model is like kids learn in school, but they actually okay. learn best when they're outside and they can see what we learn. And so that was the idea. We were like, we're gonna take them down to Alabama. Like, why not? Our kids deserve to see that, just like no any other kids do. You know? No doubt, no doubt. Now, what's the you know with, with DC changing? You know, um, it's it's a it's totally different city than than it was 25 years ago. What's the uh, the, uh, the racial demographic at, uh, in the social justice school? Yeah, so we're predominantly black and brown community, um, which is is by design, and that's that that in and of itself is revolutionary because um, you know still today many of the schools in DC are segregated in terms of being you know 100 black, and so we have black and brown kids. We have families who. Um, this is literally their first time being in the United States um, from their home country. Um, we have students who are mixed as well and black right. and brown students as well. Okay. Okay. Now you guys, um, this is another uh, subject that's really big right now as far as like, uh, you know, talking about, you know, generational wealth and, and, you know, financial literacy. How do you guys go about incorporating those type of uh, things into your curriculum? Yeah, so we don't we don't teach um, financial literacy and generational wealth in that capacity. 
What we do, though, is teach um, a sense of social entrepreneurship. And so okay. we like our young people. We have a space called the Social Justice Makerspace called Liberation Design Lab. So, you know, there's 3D printers in there. There's podcast stations in there. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Making stations. Yeah. yeah. So we want our young people to use technology um, and see it as a way to make change in the community. Um, not necessarily think about just you know, how they're going to, you know, interrupt the curse of generational wealth. I mean, of course, ultimately we want them to be able to do that as well. But right now in this moment, we want them to focus on how they can use these tools and that knowledge to make social change in the community. Okay. Now I know you have, uh, there's, there's charter schools like KIPP. Um, I can name a couple of more, not up the top of my head, but are you guys like planning on, you know, um, you know, building another, you know, uh, a, char a charter school, like a sister school or anything like that? Yeah, not at this moment. I mean, parents have been asking us about a high school, but we're like, you know what? We are one of those um, educators who we're just really obsessed with middle school in particular. So let's get middle school right for a few years. Right, right, right. See what the future happens. <laughs> why, why is that? Why is that? Yeah, so middle school is a really tough time. Um, it was definitely my toughest time as a student when I was in middle school because yeah. my mama said, you know, you you you're smelling yourself, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like only a certain amount of folks, a certain amount of educators can really right. be in love with middle school because one day they love you and they're like, oh, but it's all yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're like upset and they blown with you. Right. I, I love it, you know. Like I, I love it, and I think if we can get young people set up for middle school and get them right and support them and have them grow, then we'll take away some of the challenges and some of the barriers that lead to young people being either pushed out of high school or dropping out of high school as well. Okay. Now you also have, you know, you, you also spent time as a principal, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Now, how, how long was you a principal and um, what, what, what schools were you a principal at? Yeah. Seven years um, at EO Haynes. Shout out to EO Haynes, hashtag 3600 uh, at the Georgia Avenue campus. So right uptown. I um, okay. was super excited to come to town. Before I came back up town, I was um, teaching at a KIPP school where I met my wife. She's a dope uh, educator as well. Okay. Um, and so, you know, spent seven years at EO Haynes, another diverse community as well, um, and then enjoyed it. And it was there where, you know, some of the ideas that became social justice were were, were birthed. And so what, what happened is that we saw, you know, our young people being super engage and concern um with the um you know kind of structural uh assassination of black men by the police um particularly with michael brown please be upon him and i saw kids who like you know sometimes they wouldn't be engaged in class but when it came to like reading to find out right. more about like state-sponsored violence they were into it and that spark i was like that's the thing that we have to tap into and so one of the earliest pilots that we also did while i was at haynes um, it was, a you know, our students, it was, you know, 10 eighth graders who um, we did some race and equity series with, and they actually created a podcast called The Reality of Intersectionality, okay. all self-produced four-part series on race, gender, um, and language, and they produced it, they cut it, it oh, that's dope. It, edited it, that's and dope. to this day, I'm still like, I have no idea, <laughs> what it, but they yeah. figured it out, they, you know, it, that was part of the, the yeah. vision of the dream, yep. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Now, you're an alumni of Morgan State uh, University. Yeah, shout HBC. out to the Bears, 17 yeah. HBCU. Morgan State in the building. No Rob doubt, Taylor. no doubt, no doubt. So, you know, who were some of the educators along the way, you know, that, that inspired you to, you know, to, to even uh, continue to go down this path? Yeah, so there was this dope professor, uh, Professor Fleetwood, history professor. I'm talking about classes always signed out. And then there was, um, so I studied philosophy and political science when I was um, in undergrad and grad school. Uh, okay. There were a couple of professors who just really poured into me, man. You know, they really, really believed in me. Shout out to my man, Biscuses Kakovis, this really, you know, radical uh, white guy who used to get locked up all the time for being <laughs> a protest. Professor Sarah Brickon as well. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, they poured into me. They thought I was going to be a professor of philosophy. They like, you know, one day I came into the department and they had taken down um, one of the names for the professors and put like future office of Myron Long. And so I just <laughs> I felt like I felt like I could I feel like I could do it. And they believed in me. And so now when I go back and visit, they're like, it makes sense. You took these ideas that you learned about and said, let's just stop t only talking about no that idea and make them into a reality. 
No doubt. No, I, I I had to ask that man because you know I know people that know that 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 know you from playing in go go bands, and then when I see you now, <laughs> it's like wow, this is is that was like another lifetime ago. Yeah, and shout I, out to No Mercy, man. You know, it's still my thing. I used to be rapping. Peace, uh, peace be upon my man Bugs, my man Charles, some really good dudes that that we lost. Yeah. Um, but you know those those memories shape you who you are. You know, like you yeah. you never forget. And it's those lessons when you get older and you start to reflect. It was like it was bigger than music. It was about the camaraderie and the brotherhood that you built being on that stage and being in the go-go, you know? No doubt, no doubt. You still, you still play a little bit? No, 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 not anymore. Not anymore. You know, I still try to keep a breath and listen. You know, every now and then I might I might make an appearance at the go-go every now and then. You know? <laughs> oh, man, that's what's up. So, so t- t- take me back a little bit. Like, what is, like, the typical day for a principal? Like, I'm always, I'm, I'm curious, man, because, you know, they, you, you're pretty much the, the, you know, you have so much responsibility. Yeah, and so, yeah, what, what is that like? Talk about that to people who's, who, who may not know what, it, what, it, what, you know, all the responsibility that you guys have. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, right now in my role, I'm the, um, I'm the executive director. I can tell you about what that looks like. So, you know, it looks like um, a lot of like community engagement. So I try to be really authentic. I attend ANC meetings to make sure that the community knows that we're a positive presence in the community. It looks like um, talking to, you know, potential funders who can help support our mission and go even further. It looks like, you know, still working with students. Like I have a core group of students that I work with um, every single day to support their emotional needs as well. Um, Lots of meetings, lots of like reviewing budgets and trying to make sure that we're spending our money to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our, our students and families. And, you know, to be honest, pretty early days and, and late nights <laughs> um, and sometimes on the weekends as well. Yeah, how, do, how do you balance that with, you know, because you're a father of two, I believe, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife keeps me balanced. She, she never lets me forget that those are the most important children in my <laughs> life. Um, and I think I try to take the weekends just to be my weekends. I try to read as much as I can definitely lean on on my faith in the creator as well just to keep me grounded in the world because i got to realize like you know i'm a whole human who happens to be an educator but that's not the, my, my only foundation for who i am as a human you know okay now I, I, um uh, I, I was watching a you know a video about the social justice school and i remember uh, what was really stood out to me it said you know the social ju- social justice school it focused on design thinking so Talk about like design thinking. What exactly is that? Yeah, so design thinking is like a tool that um, folks at Google and Microsoft use. And it's really a problem solving tool, right? When you really pull it down to its core elements. So the first thing you're trying to figure out is like, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Mm. And then you try to say, okay, if I want to think about homelessness in DC, there's two ways you can do it. I can sit in my office and I can try to make these grand ideas. Right. I've been blessed to not be homeless. Or what does it look like to say, you know what? Let me talk to people who are experiencing this particular challenge, get their insight. And that's how I learn what the challenge is and how I can design with it. Um, and so that's design thinking at, at its core. And it okay. also is about like, taking a small solution, testing it out, building a prototype and going on in the community and trying. Because sometimes quite frankly, like, like we we don't, we, we wait until we get the big grand idea to be like mm. this total package. And that's time wasted. Like what if we just right. started small and just said, you know what? I don't have everything figured out on how I want to solve mass incarceration. No, but no. this one aspect of like, you know, families having more access to um, folks who are incarcerated. Like, what if we just tapped in right there and did something right now for those particular people who are impacted by this larger system? No doubt. Now, one thing I love about you, brother, is you're doing this, you know, right here in your hometown of Washington, D.C. Uh, I think your mic is muted. I, I'm, I'm unmuted now. I have to double, okay. double down with my father duty as well. Okay. <laughs> No, but this is what I was saying. I, you know, I was I was saying one thing I love about you is you know, you decided to embark on this 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 career, this path. You know, right here in your hometown of Washington D.C. 
Now, did you ever have any, you know, uh, you know, you ever had any plans on ever, you know, moving outside of the city to create this type of, you know, curate this type of, uh, you know, this, this, this process, you know, this somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, we thought about it, but I mean, you know, Brandon, my, our co-founder is also, he's from, he's from the DMV. Um, and when I think about social justice school, it's really like, it's like my love letter to DC. Like at the end of the day, that's what I want that's what's up. my legacy to be. And so there are places that, you know, we've thought about, we thought about like, what would it look like for a social justice to go in like rural deep South Alabama? Like we gonna really yeah, yeah, yeah. smuggle in, right? <laughs> that's not, you know, that's- In the sticks, man, you be down there in the sticks. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's maybe 10, 15 years from now, but right now it's all yeah. about DC. No doubt, no doubt. When I, um, another thing, you know, a lot of um, kids, today you know with, with social media do you feel like like social media has affected the way that you know the young kids receive ins- uh, information and how does it affect the way that you know your your, your faculty your student you know uh you know the, the teachers how does that affect you know how they educate you know yeah i mean i think technology is one of those things where you know um we have so much access to information and that's great but the challenge is when the information is false um, or misleading, it's coming. Um, where it's false or misleading is the challenge. And I think that that can really hurt young people. And sometimes when those spaces aren't monitored, you know, you got young folks um, just, you know, engaging with others and other people in ways that are, are definitely inappropriate. So I think I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's, we're fortunate to have access to information literally at the, at our fingertips, but I also think it does require folks to get um, to be taught how to engage in social media and digital literacy because um, that's really important as well. Yeah, you got your ha- you got your hands full, man. <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got your hands full because, like I said, you know, it's so many things that I don't want to say so many things, but it's it. I, what I noticed there, like you know, you have cyberbullying now. Back when we was younger, you had bullying, but now you have cyberbullying. So. You know, how do you guys handle situations like that? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we keep our ear to the streets. Uh, and our kids are really honest with us. Like, we we find out about things. They'll come up and tell us, like, such and such said this on their page. You know, we do a little investigation. But I think it's really the relationships that we have with our kids and families. Like, our families will definitely flag for us, like, yo, I saw this online. I really need you to look at it. If a kid feels like there's something going on or inappropriate, they'll let us know. Right. We just we've been really successful at creating that space where like we get information fast um, and early so that we can support families. Okay, now you guys, you know, you guys been in existence since like 2017. Um, where do you guys, you know, where, where do you guys rank like, you know, as far as you know, uh, test scores and stuff like that within within the city? You know, yeah. So we started the school, well, started the process of starting the school in 2017, but we actually didn't open until um 2020 and so okay, um, no worries uh this the um the city did not take like the park and the state exams that year um when we first opened so there's like mm-hmm. no comparison um in that regards but we okay. did take what's called um the nwa map assessment which measures students literacy and their math skills i mean our, our students did really well um and better in literacy than they did in math. But the thing that we're most excited about is like, normally in schools, you'll see um, students without disabilities or students who are at risk performing above their peers who do right. disability or at risk. At our, stu- at our school um, last year, there was no gap between those students in that performance. Okay. And I think it's really um, just about the, you know, teachers that we have and, and how we focused on like this whole child approach to teaching and learning. I like see this one thing I love about you, man. You you're you're really hands on. You know, this is not just something that you created and I'ma just I'ma go over here, you know. Oh no, no. We're not we're not doing that. It took it took way too long to start no, no. This, to start this journey. Do you still you still enjoy what do, what do you do you still enjoy, you know, uh as far as like you know educating and start as far as like being around the children, does it ever, you know, does it ever weigh on you, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, I, I will not be the one to say that this journey isn't really hard, um, yeah. especially 
I am the type of leader who I, you know, I take on the emotions of the folks in the building. And so it can be hard. It can be draining mentally and physically and emotionally, but I still wake up every day loving our children and our community and our staff um, really hard. And I think that's what matters most to me. Okay. So, so I know um, a lot of times, you know, when you think of, a lot of people, when, when, they, when they think of, you know, Washington, D.C., they think of the athletes, they think of musicians and things of that nature, entertainment. You know, how do you guys emphasize, you know, on th- doing things outside of the arts, outside of things that are, you know, that we're stereotypically uh, or traditionally known for, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so one way is um, just thinking about, like, who we uh, memorialize in our school. So all of our cohorts are named after scholar activists. So we have okay. um, the Rustin cohort, for example, named after Bayard Rustin, mm-hmm. um, who had who was the chief architect of the March on Washington. No doubt. That connection there. One of our other cohorts um, is um, uh, Toure, um, named after Kwame Toure, Stokely Carmichael, who had a lot of footing and breeding grounds at Howard University. Shout out to Howard University. Wow. And then we have um, Cooper, which is named after Anna Julia Cooper, who um, was an early black feminist and one of the first um, and most successful principals at um, what became Dunbar High School um, when it was um, the minor school college uh, before. I want want to go back for a second. We we touched on uh, critical race theory and I want to know, like, how do you feel as far as like educating, you know, children when it comes to like their history? Because in my opinion, and from what I see, especially people without outside of our our race, and you can maybe you see something differently. But it seemed like there's a segment of society that wants to forget about certain parts of history. Mm. And I I personally feel that, you know, it's all history. It all it should all be, you know, we, we should all know what has taken place in, in you know within you know the United States. You know, as far as you know, black history, European, whatever, you know. I I, I feel that's very it's very relevant. So, you know, I would love to hear what's your take on it, you know. You educate me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. The way we think about it at social justice school is we say, you know what? We are designers of a more just world, which means that we believe that we can manipulate the social world or we can manipulate the physical world. The reason why we say we are designers is because the systems of oppression that have um, influenced and kept folks back because of their race, their gender, their class, their economic language, their home, um, native country, all of those were systems that were intentionally designed And so you have to learn about that because once you can see that those systems were designed, then the light switch goes off and says, you know what? If that was designed, well, we can redesign it as well and make something something better. So I completely agree with you. Like we have to be able to learn about our history, but not use it from a a place of of pain, but use it for a space for liberation and and dreaming of like what the future could actually be. No doubt, no doubt. Well, look, Myron, Hey, brother, I love what you got going on, man. You oh, seem you, like brother. you're laser, laser focused. And, you know, what you, what you love, this passion of yours, man. And um, this is this has truly been an honor. Like I said, I've been trying to get you on the platform for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. It's, it's hard to get through all of the, the yeah. emails at the school. But There's you know, no, now, no doubt. now we locked in, I would love to come back and, and bring some of my kids on the next time you know they might yeah, no doubt one o'clock but maybe a little earlier for them <laughs> no nah, no nah, yeah we we we, we discussed I'm, I'm glad i could have accommodated you in regards to that you know yeah <laughs> so, so i i totally get it dude. i know i know you you know you got a lot going on but i i love what you got going and like i said this this is the bridge of the generation podcast where we focus on you know iconic figures and i i consider you an iconic figure. Oh, thank you, brother. That and I, I love what you got going on, man. And I, I see nothing but great things. I'm, I'm tapped into what you got going on. So, you know, just continue to, to you, you continue to keep doing what you're doing, man. But I'm very as as a Coolidge alumni. Oh yeah. <laughs> very, very proud of you, brother. 
No, and it, and it, 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 it really warms my heart to see somebody that, you know, like I said, I'm going to keep it real. We wasn't friends or anything like that in school, but I knew of you. Yeah, no, no, no. And and, I, and, you know, <laughs> when you started that story, I remember because I think that school that we were in was off of 16th Street that actually became the school. I remember that now as you were telling that story. So, you know, I definitely remember um, yeah. that uh, that particular moment at, at the yeah. summer, you know, summer youth program. Shout out to Mary and Barry. Peach Shout out to Mary and Barry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother, for creating this space man I, i've been watching i've been going through watching some of the old podcasts and i'm like thank you man this brother his brother is making he's doing exactly what it says bridging the generation i'm you know trying I mean? brother <laughs> i'm, so, I'm trying you. man no it's it's, it's 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 an honor man to have like i said man to have you know uh you know fellow dc native man you know somebody that i went to school with man that just you know just just been able to trailblaze and you know to do, do what you do man and, and show people that you know you can uh, aspire to be great things if you just continue to just believe and just follow your dreams. So, before that said, brother, it's, it's an honor. Brother. So, Thank you, No doubt, no doubt. I'm sure, sure will, man. I definitely want to, you know, I got a dope rollout for you, man. I'm, I'm going to give you the red carpet treatment. You know, give you the same treatment I give everybody else. Because I feel like what you're doing is just as important as any celebrity, any entertainer. You know, I, I love it, man. So, uh, you know, I'm going to let you go, brother. But it was, a, it was a pleasure chopping it up with you, man. And, and come back anytime. You know? Oh, yeah. I'll say less. We'll be back for sure. No, no doubt. We 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 gonna lock in. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna text you some. Uh, you know, I'm gonna text you my number. You know, uh, DM you my number, and I cause I would love to be able to talk more about uh, you know what you got going on there because it's, it's a thing. No doubt. Thank you for having us on again. This is Bridget and George podcast. No doubt. Thank you. We see Davis holding down. We stars too far. No doubt. I'm gonna lock a reef, man. You got the boy, there's the legend, the legend, the legend, Myron Long, fellow DC native. We signing out. You take care, brother. Have a good night. You too, man. Peace, man.